Welcome to LilyPod, episode 44, The Lord's Prayer. Jeff and Kathy Teichert bringing you another episode of LilyPod, which is a production of Love in Later Years. We are certified life coaches and members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Our messages are directed toward mid-singles and later married couples. We also welcome all who enjoy personal growth and enriching relationships. Ever since Jesus Christ gave his Sermon on the Mount, the Lord's Prayer has become a wonderful source for millions of people. Right, and I'd like to begin this by quoting the Lord's Prayer in its entirety. As you know, it's short, and then we'll break it down piece by piece, and maybe in the process talk about some of the surrounding verses and how those apply to uh, life as a mid-single adult in the church. Jesus says, After this manner, therefore, pray ye. This is beginning Matthew 6. 9. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. So this is Jesus teaching uh, during the Sermon on the Mount how to pray. And he's not telling them this, you know, to literally say these specific words, but he's giving them an idea of the themes that they might use in prayer. And so, Kathy, I guess I would ask you initially to comment on course, we address our Father, which art in heaven, and then it's a, it says, hallowed be thy name. Uh, hallowed, of course, means holy. So what, uh, what does this mean to you? Well, I think it is showing respect and admiration for a loving heavenly Father. Right. I mean, I think it it addresses him and and recognizes that he is that he is holy, that his name is holy. Um, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And what does that mean to you, Kathy? That's probably one of the hardest things we'll ever do in life is with our God-given agency, choose to seek his will. Right. I mean, C.S. Lewis says at the end of the day, there will be those who to who say to God, thy will be done. And then there will be those to whom God says, okay, thy will be done. And, and those who submit to God, of course, are in a much better position in that situation. Because what God has in store for us is better than what we understand. And so why is it so difficult? 
that's the, it is. Well, I think it's difficult because we can't see the end from the beginning. And if we look at how this affects many of our listeners and how it affected us, I think we were inclined many times if we got divorced or if a spouse died, um, we were inclined to think it wasn't supposed to be like this. And we really believe that, that our life was supposed to be different because we thought it when we were younger. And accepting that it might be God's will that we go through something painful is, is really hard. Right. So, but part of it, I think, and we've talked about this a lot, but I, I think you can never repeat it too much, really, that accepting that where you are and the situation you're in is God's will and that you're willing to accept God's will going forward, even if you can't see the end from the beginning. Um, like well, Joseph, when he was sold into Egypt, I don't think he could understand at that moment that he was going to end up the prime minister of the country, second in authority to the Pharaoh and married to a member of the royal family and saving thousands and maybe millions of lives. Um, God knew what he was doing, but Joseph at that time was probably pretty confused. Right. And because things are created in our minds first, they're created spiritually before they're created physically. I think another important part of this is to not only say thy will be done, but I'm going to try and envision this wonderful life you're leading me to, whatever it is, and be right. really open to that and to be open to creating it with him. Right. Um, because I know when I was first divorced, I like that deer in the headlights feeling totally in shock that that happened to me. Right. Uh, how, and I'm sure many who have been through it feel the same way. Including me. Yes. And I, I don't think I had the ability to envision then what was in store for me. It took time to heal and to get to a place where I could start co-creating a future with God. And even then I couldn't see it, but I knew he could see it. And I think knowing he could see a bright future for me gave me a lot of comfort. Yeah, I think that's what we really need to cling to. Uh, and then we can relax and accept his will, knowing that it might mean that our life will not look like what we thought it was going to look like. Uh, now, that doesn't mean, I think, that that you accept that you're going to be single forever. It, it's or miserable in any way because right. he wants us to be joyful. Yeah, it's knowing that he's taking us to a better place, both in this life and the next. And shaping but, our character. Right. Too. I mean, so that's something we can enjoy right away, is the the personal growth that we can experience through accepting his will. Right. That, that scripture, be still and know that I am God, I think is essentially accepting his will and trusting. Trusting is a very important word there trusting that he will keep his promises to us that he knows better than we do and and we've you know we've talked about this in our own relationship that you know i i mean kathy is a much uh better fit for me if, if i can say it that way than my first wife was and 
I have a much more connected relationship with her. If that first marriage had not ended, and it was an uphill battle the whole way. If, if, if that marriage hadn't ended, I wouldn't have Kathy. And as I look back, I can think, yeah, God was preparing me for something better than I would have had otherwise if I hadn't gone through that painful experience. And along the way, you grew right a lot. And we, we know that we're better spouses now for each other than we were then. And not because we didn't try. We did. Right. We tried our very best, but we just hadn't gone through those learning experiences that shaped our character. Right. And we realize now that, yeah, this is our path. Um, this was always our path. But it was hard to see sometimes when things that seemed like tragedies were happening to us. And so that little phrase, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven, um, is a very powerful one. It, it's really, it, 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 it encompasses the covenant we make with God to accept his will and his sovereignty in our lives. You know, I actually wanted to bring up an example outside of my own personal experience that we heard just yesterday from a woman who lost her husband to death a few months ago. And she was so positive about honoring and appreciating the time she had with her uh, deceased spouse and that they have grown closer now that he has passed on and they're communicating with each other um, through prayer and and he's become an angel to her and he said i have work to do on the other side before he passed away and she said and he said and you have work to do here and so um they're still working as a couple and it's so beautiful in fact he he told her so listen Make sure you listen to me when I'm gone and I'm trying to speak to you and, you know, make sure you're still and quiet enough to hear me. (laughs) Right. Kind of a a sad thing, but also a beautiful thing. Um, Well, and I've also heard of many who have received reassuring comfort from a spouse who's passed on who want them to remarry and to be happy and live their life and not be alone. Right. I think that's beautiful also. Right. The next phrase in the Lord's Prayer is, give us this day our daily bread. And I believe that Jesus is making reference in this phrase to manna. And I I say that because, as you may or may not know, when the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness... Uh, of the Sinai, they, you know, it was a desert. If you've ever, I I haven't been there, but I've seen lots of pictures and I know people who have been there that describe it. It's a very desolate place. And they, you know, for the number of people that they had, they weren't going to be able to kill enough wild game to to feed everyone. And so uh, God sent them manna from heaven Manna is kind of a funny word. It comes from from this Hebrew or from this Greek word, I guess, mana, which means 
I'm sorry, Hebrew word, mana, which means what is it? People didn't know. <laughs> but they called it the bread from heaven. And we know later in, in the New Testament, Jesus gives a sermon where he says, I am the bread of life. I am the bread from heaven. But in that time, the bread from heaven was manna. And as you may recall, the Israelites were allowed to go out and pick up en enough to eat per person for one day, except for the day before the Sabbath when they could pick up two days worth so that they wouldn't have to go out and pick it up on the Sabbath. So I think that was their daily bread. And that is what Jesus is talking about when he says, give us this day our daily bread. I think he's making reference to manna. And, and so I think this has particular applicability in the lives of many mid-singles. When I was a mid-single, I mean, you know, when I got divorced, it was like a, a feeling of cascading dominoes. And I know many people who feel the same way that there was so much coming at them all at once and they didn't have the money to deal with stuff. And, you know, I could hardly open my mail for a, a long time just because it was so terrifying to me what might be in there. And, and it felt like it was just coming at me so, you know, way faster than I could deal with it. And, uh, and so I was very, in a very tough spot financially, um, hard to, to figure out how to pay my bills. A lot of the time for a few years there, you know, I didn't know how I was going to make money to pay my bills and buy food the next month. And, uh, I think that sometimes God puts us in that position as he did the children of Israel to learn their dependence on him. Another interesting thing about the children of Israel's experience, some of them broke the rules and tried to store in more manna than was uh, allowed and, and keep it stored up. And what did God do? Well, it, it rotted, it got wormy, and it was inedible. So they weren't really allowed to, to gather up more. And I, I wonder, you know, why, why would you would think that with their industry to go out and, and pick up more that, you know, God would think that was a good thing and, and want them to do it. Why, why don't you store and save? And well, in fact, we're encouraged to do that in conference all the time, right? To be prepared. Right. But I think at the time, um, the children of Israel needed to learn to depend on God more than on themselves, to develop their relationship with him. And I think for many mid-singles, if you've been a single mom that never developed a career before uh, getting divorced and you, you sit there terrified at the kitchen table, making out your budget, trying to figure out how to live on what's coming in at the present time and not knowing how you're going to do it. Kathy, what was that like? Oh, it was so overwhelming. You know, I, I actually once recently heard that getting divorced is like living through a hurricane, right? All these things are going on around you so fast. You just hunker down and you just wait it out. And then once all that chaos is, has come and gone, you have to go out and you have to pick up the pieces. Right. Yeah. I mean, and that's kind of, 
what happened with me. Now, I, I realize there are better ways I could have approached all that, but that's not the subject of today's discussion. We're talking about uh, reliance on the Lord daily and sometimes not knowing where your next meal is going to come from literally causes greater reliance on the Lord. And mm -hmm. we heard a, a recent talk by Elder Christofferson. I, I believe it is called Our Daily Bread that he gave at BYU. And he talked about a time when a financial catastrophe came into his life. And he said it was not because of anybody's ill will or anybody cheating anybody. It was just one of those things that, that happened. And uh, it was, he said he, it felt like his family was facing financial ruin and it went on for several years. Um, and he talked about how he prayed very earnestly numerous times that God would create some sort of miraculous intervention to rescue him from this uh, financial peril that he was in. And he said at length, each time the answer was no. Well, this is an apostle. It's someone beloved of the Lord, I, I would think. And why wouldn't God answer his prayer? Okay, I will do a quick, easy fix. What are your thoughts, Kathy? Well, although God has the power to do that, I think whenever he does not intervene, it's for a reason. It's because right. we have something to learn from it. And so I think as we get through the hurricane and then we have all these pieces to pick up, we have all this stuff to clean up. Uh, we do have to rely on him because it's usually feels like more than we can handle it. It usually uh, feels over as overwhelming as not having food to eat. Um, like there's something we're desperately missing. Right. I think in Elder Christofferson's case, the missing thing was, was money. Um, it could be other things. But I want to, before I leave the subject of Elder Christofferson, I want to say two things about his experience. One is, I think the reason, part of the reason the answer was no, was God was teaching him daily reliance. And he he even testifies in that talk that he learned to rely daily on the Lord to meet his needs more than he ever had before, that he developed greater faith that the Lord would take care of him. And, uh, and I think, you know, when we look at that and we think, well, that was a tragedy and it was a tragedy that happened to a very righteous, good person. And his family, presumably, too, who were righteous and good people. Uh, not perfect, but none of us are. So why would such a tragedy happen to them? Well, our Father in Heaven was preparing an apostle. Someone with great faith in the Lord's promises to give us this day our daily bread. And hopefully... We won't have to go our entire lives, although some people do, you know, never knowing where their next meal is coming from. Uh, but those of us who have gone through that kind of thing for a while had to develop more faith in the Lord than we had before, because otherwise 
you'd live your life in constant anxiety that, you know, I'm going to starve. I'm going to be homeless. I'm going to fail at everything. And I felt at times like I had failed at everything. Now, I want to point out, too, that Jesus also said that he was the bread from heaven, and he even referred to manna uh, in his Bread of Life sermon, which I think indicates to me that, that the bread, the daily bread we need is not just physical sustenance, like Elder Christofferson needing money for his family or people needing food and shelter and so forth. I think it can also mean other things like, in the case of Christ, the daily bread is his atonement, his love, his sacrifice for us. And Kathy, what are other things you think you can think of that might be included among our daily bread, the, the, the things we need well, on a day-to-day basis? Spiritually, we need we need renewal. Um, and it's not like a one-time thing. I mean, if you've ever had the greatest spiritual experience of your life, it doesn't just last your whole life. I mean, yes, you can remember it, but it doesn't feed you your whole life. And so I think the daily bread and with him being the bread, it means going to him. It means seeking out the kingdom of God as a priority. And I recently heard a really wonderful talk that that convinced me that I need to seek that every day before I touch my phone because our phones and our electronics are so distracting. And if I just do that first, I'm not only making sure I fit it in, I am doing it first and I'm showing myself and the Lord that my spiritual well-being and connecting with him is important to me. Right. So. Yeah, so I, I love that. I think that that's those are great examples of having that daily bread from heaven, and we do need it constantly. It, you know, one big dose of it on fast Sunday or something isn't going to be enough. We we need it every day. Well, and then he also gave us bodies and minds that need renewal as well, and so appropriate self care is really important for us to be at our best and even to be able to fill the spirit we have to take care of ourselves right i think um you know one thing i i was thinking about uh, with regard to our daily bread also is our social and emotional needs um i remember a a woman i dated a little bit during my mid single years um and it was never exclusive and never serious, but I got to know her a little bit. And she had a, a long-term problem with depression and pretty serious mental illness. And she spent a lot of time by herself. And I remember her telling me one day, kind of jealously, um, that I had lots of friends and people to do things with. and. I was, you know, I was pondering that a little bit. I I asked her what she meant, and she had seen somebody post on my Facebook wall about getting together with a group for dinner. And she said, you know, I never get invited out like that. I never have people that want to do things with me. And I think praying for our daily bread can also mean we need that daily dose of love. We need friends. We need 
you know, we need family, we need people. And that doesn't mean we can't be happy without any particular person. But I encourage you as mid-singles to reach out to a broad circle of adults. Don't, don't try to get it all from your kids. That puts an unfair burden on them. And this is also true for those of us who are married. We yeah. don't want to put the burden of all our needs on one relationship. Right. We need to have friends and uh, either, you know, family of origin or family we choose to uh, be part of our lives. Yeah. And I, I think that's very much a part of our daily bread, too. So and it's something we can specifically pray about. Now, the next part is also very applicable to many mid-singles, particularly those who have been divorced. And forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Mm, it's also a, a big one, isn't it? Right. I mean, I think, and I'll, I'll read verse 14 too, because it's what Jesus says right after amen in this prayer. He says, for if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. And one, one of the dominant themes, I believe, in the New Testament is that we will receive the mercy we extend to others. And you know why I think and that, that is? And that includes former spouses. Mm, that includes people who broke up with us that we had hopes of marrying and making a life together. You know, it, has, it means all of those kinds of people. So do you want to know why I think that is? Tell me. I think it's all about what's inside of us. Because if we don't extend mercy to others, we don't extend mercy to ourselves. It's just how it works. Right. Uh, we may think that we can, but it, it really isn't possible because I do think that our our mercy of others and ourselves are mirrored. Right. If we have a forgiving heart, uh, we're going to have compassion and forgiveness for ourselves as well as our fellow man and realize that we need forgiveness too. Although I do think sometimes we can be harder on ourselves than on others. And right. that's a real thing as well. But I think when we're hard on others, we're most certainly going to be hard on ourselves, even if we don't appear to be, even if we appear to be narcissistic and self-righteous, there's something that we're recovering up our insecurities with that. So, um, I, I think it's important not only to forgive others, it is important to then extend ourselves the same grace. Right. Because even though it's a mirror, we can be harder on ourselves than others. And I think Satan works you know, diligently to keep us down. So I think that's an important factor as well. Right. You know, I, I want to ask you also, Kathy, uh, I have some thoughts on this to share as well, but what... <clears throat> was the thing or things that helped you the most to extend forgiveness to, you know, ex-husbands or ex-boyfriends or other people who you felt hurt by? I think when I remember that I fall short and that I need the atonement, I realize everyone else is in the same boat. Mm. I realize that we're all children of God who love us. Right. No matter how we behave, no matter how we treat each other, 
he loves us. And because he loves us, we can love each other. Right. And I'm not perfect at it. I even grew some hate in my heart for a former spouse. And that was hard on me for a while. That was hard on me. Yeah. It wasn't hard on him. He hardly noticed. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So it's a gift we give ourselves to forgive because it gives us peace. It brings back our shalom. Right. Yeah. So that's, that's a very important thing. And I, I think another scripture verse that goes along with what Kathy just said uh, is in the next chapter, but it's still in the Sermon on the Mount. Now I've referred to this before, so I'll keep this short, but it says, how wilt thou say to thy brother, let me pull out the moat out of thine eye and behold, a beam is in thine own eye. Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye and then shalt thou see clearly to cast out the moat of thy brother's eye. Now, Pastor Tim Keller says this is Jesus doing stand-up comedy during the Sermon on the Mount. Because, you know, you picture someone with a plank hanging off their eyeball. And, it, you know, when have you ever seen that? You, you um, know, I just realized this is almost exactly the same as the conference talk that given a long time ago about how we're asked to put a mask, a breathing mask on ourselves on a plane. before we go and help others, because we have to be breathing in order to help them. In order to think straight, in order to be conscious, in order to have have the uh, presence of mind. Right. And so I never really saw it this way, but I think what it's saying is check out thine own self. Right. (laughs) Look inside. Fix what's, you know, hurting you. And then you not only can see clearly, but you feel that weight lifted and you can help others rise up to that, that higher elevated state of being. Yes, Kathy, I agree with that. And I think, and I would submit to our audience that the beam in your own eye is actually also a moat, a speck, but the closer something is to us, the bigger it looks, right? That's a matter of perspective. And so that beam in our own eye is really a moat, but how much can a little speck of sawdust hurt when it's in your eye? Of course, it can hurt a lot. That's why when you do wood shop, when you're in junior high or whatever, you wear goggles because you don't want that. Jesus had probably experienced moats in his eye as a carpenter uh, many times. That's a good point. Um, But... How can you see clearly if you've got something in your eye that's not only maybe blocking your vision, but causing your eyes to water and further cloud your vision and so on. And a moat in your eye or a speck is something that can cause pain. And like Kathy was just saying, um, having that uh, in yourself Um, it's not out there somewhere. It's not a sin is not necessarily a black mark on a record book in heaven. It's something that lives inside of you. And that's why uh, going back to the subject of forgiveness, which we've just been speaking about, uh, you know, in the, the verse in the Doctrine and Covenants that when someone fails to forgive, in him lieth the greater sin, and it's actually in him. And so, the pain that we carry around from what other people have done 
and our inability to forgive is what clouds our vision and keeps us from being able to uh, help someone else. Right. So basically, in a nutshell, I think what this these two verses are saying is get the hurt out of you so that you are then able to go and gently take the hurt out of others. Right. And gently is a good as a good thing because we're talking about your eye, right? How would you want someone to take a moat or a speck out of your eye? You want them to say, Hey, I'll, I'll bring over my tweezers or how about a hammer and a nail? I'll chip that out of your eye. No, of course not. Your you eyes take a are tissue and a tissue and very gently. Yeah, very gently. And so we need to be gentle with ourselves so we can be more gentle with others. Right. And that's, that's the gist of that. And I, I do think that's a great, uh, couple of verses to explore with regards to forgiveness. One, one more thing about that second verse, it talks about thou hypocrite. And that's kind of a misunderstood word uh, in, the, in the English language. We think of a hypocrite being someone who does, who, who says one thing and does another. But actually, a hypocrite is an actor or a pretender. It means someone who, who feigns righteousness or something and dramatically exaggerates it but doesn't really have it inside themselves. So this might be someone who acts very religiously inclined, but inside burns with rage toward another person, for example. Right. And, and that's not certainly where I would want to be because I want to feel good. I don't right. want to just be good or look good. Right. I want to feel good. Right. And you had, did you have something else to bring into this? Well, it's actually with the next. Okay, let's so move, let's this move is our on then. Last verse, uh, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Um, and when I when I saw that, I remembered a scripture I read this morning during that time that I mm. I gave myself before. Uh, that moment <laughs> of self care. Yeah, before I touched my phone. <laughs> And got distracted by everything. Um, but here, here's here's what I read. Um, honey, what verse? So, Nephi. oh, sorry. So it's Second Nephi chapter 17, verse 15 and 16. Butter and honey shall he eat, that he may know to refuse the evil and to choose the good. Mm. For behold, the child shall know to refuse the evil and choose the good. And I had, um, when I opened this, I had just been praying about like the negativity that sometimes comes at us on social media and uh, with friends and family. And um, I was looking for an answer as to how to approach that because I didn't, I don't like that negativity in my life. I, right. I work very diligently to make sure I have a positive mindset. And um, although I know, you know, it's important to, be aware of realities of life. It doesn't mean we need to unnecessarily expose ourselves to negativity, right? Right. And so I just it just reminded me that even even the people who are negative, we can reach out and refuse the negative part but choose to see the good in them and and to draw that out of them. Right. And and then to you know, make sure that we're staying in a good place as well. Um, right. so I think the temptation is always to, to, to 
for sensationalism. I mean, really, isn't that what sells? Right. Um, but what Jeff and I are selling online in our writing, in our YouTube videos, in our podcasts is positivity. And we're, we're, we're gathering our people, our tribe, our, our, those who want more of that, who hunger for good. For good, for hope, for constructive change. And yes, it's, I, I think deliver us from evil could have a lot to do with <laughs> deliver us from negative Facebook posts, deliver us <clears throat> from the power of other people to drag us down. And I'll tell you and, what, the, the algorithm with Facebook is exactly like life. It mirrors the, uh, the law of attraction, which states what you put your focus on, you get more of. Did you know that if you don't comment on those negative posts, you don't see them much anymore eventually. And if you comment on those things that you do enjoy seeing that uplift you, those are the things that will show up in your feed and you'll have a completely different experience. Right. And that's true of life. So people talk about all the negativity on Facebook, even as they participate in it in many cases. And that can be They're true. They're creating it for themselves to some degree. Right. We had a a dinner last night with a number of members of, of our Lily organization. And when this comes out, it will have been like about a week before, yeah. but yeah. So we recently had our first Lily dinner. Yeah. And one of the themes that came up, um, Darcy, I think was the one who brought it up initially, but it was that there's a lot of negativity in the mid singles groups on Facebook, many of them. And uh, Kathy and I, uh, brought up the the point that we were attracted to each other in one of those groups because we noticed the other one standing out for making positive, constructive comments. And we both noticed this about each other. And so you can be a light even in a dark place sometimes, but that's why we ask the Father in heaven to deliver us from evil and leading us not into temptation. There are a lot of temptations for mid-singles. I mean, a lot just throw in the towel on the law of chastity. Uh, and, the, and the law of chastity is hard when you've been married and, and had a normal physical relationship with a spouse, and then all of a sudden it's nothing. And there's also many who just give up on dating and relationships altogether, which right. is an opposite extreme. Exactly. And that could be a temptation too. Just, oh, it's just easier if I focus on my kids and my work and don't worry about getting married again or building another family. <clears throat> it's understandable, um, but those are, are important things to, to think about when we talk about deliver us uh, from evil and, and lead us not into temptation. Right. So the this verse and this prayer ends with, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And I just wanted to quickly point out that I think it ends the way it begins with respect and reverence for the power of our God. Right. And submission to his will, because we're saying it is thine. You know, if we remember um, what Satan's sin was in the pre-mortal existence, it was give me thine honor. And here Jesus is giving honor to God instead. Right. And that's something that we can always remember as mid-singles is to give the glory to God 
and trust in him, submit to his will. Well, I thought just to wrap up this podcast, I'd just read it straight through. Let's and do we'll it. Wrap, we'll end. Okay. okay. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And I'll say amen to that too. Remember, friends, any time is a great time for more love in your life. We hope you enjoyed this uh, podcast and we'll catch you next time. Subscribe to LilyPod to get notice of each new weekly episode. If you enjoy what you heard, share with those you love. For more information about our organization and services, visit loveinlateryears.com.